Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back for another episode of Believe in Lions. That's B-L-E-A-V, right here on the Believe Network. Of course, I am joined, as always, by the all-pro safety, the interception leader, the Detroit Lions superstar. It's Glover Quinn. Glover, how's it going? Excelente. Good. Cinco de Mayo, so I got to get a little Spanish in there. Excelente. Good, good. Happy to hear that. Happy to be chatting with you as always. What's new? What is new in the world of Glover Quinn? I don't know, man. Nothing's really new. It's just same old stuff, man. I'm a I'm a routine, grinded out type of guy. So that's where I'm at right now. School year's finishing up. So just trying to finish up the year strong with the kiddos and still building the company, the business, whatever you want to call it. So same old, same old, steady, steady over here. And that is how you get better. Consistent work, consistent improvement. No matter what field you're in, no matter what you're looking at, consistent hard work. But I don't need to tell you about that. You did that for years in the NFL and did a pretty damn good job of it, too. Yeah, and that's what's, you know, that's what's so crazy. You know, I, I sit there and I tell people all the time, you know, I didn't play 10 years because I was, athletic or I was this or that I played because I was consistent I was I was routine I was I was structured I was smart I was all those things that allowed me to be able to do that so that's who I am as a person and that's what comes through in my everyday life even though I'm not playing you know routine consistency just being able to do the same things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and continue to get better at those things and so that's kind of how I live. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the final four and championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your bonus. That's B L E A V to receive your bonus. Bet Online, where the game starts. And it's a great way to live. And we are lucky to get all of the information from you that you have learned over the years. Probably know more and forget how much you know sometimes compared to what we here on the show know. But we are lucky to hear from you. We are lucky lucky to get your thoughts. What is the offseason like right now for you as a former player? And what's it like as a current player kind of? The draft has happened. I know that rookie mini camps are starting to heat up, but that doesn't really impact the veteran players, does it? 
Nah, I mean the vets are the vets are there working out off season workouts. I believe they're still there. Um, Ricky Minicamp happens. It's generally a weekend. You, you get drafted. It's probably going on this week. Yeah, or a lot of them. Um, but the veterans they got out of there on Friday or Thursday or Friday, and the rookies came in probably for minicamp over the weekend. Um, but yeah, the vets are just going through normal off-season workouts, probably with the team. You know, all the different rules they throw in a little bit or whatever they're doing. Um, probably gearing up, getting ready for OTAs, a couple practices, and you know, minicamp in the summer. So it's just same old routine for those guys. Just getting the bodies ready to go, getting back into it a little more, picking it up to the next level. Um, you know, for me, it's I don't play anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I said earlier, in the, what this is all season for me. So it's kind of like, all right, the draft happened. All right. The storylines are out. You know, I'm. Like I said, it's not it's nothing much really going on right now. Everything is smoking mirrors. I mean, you know, it's not it's not really much going on. Guys are just working and then that's just what it is. You know, OTAs are gonna be OTAs, it's gonna have some guys get injured. Um, that'll be a storyline. But as far as everyday news, there's really much not much going on for me that I bite, you know. Smoking mirrors is a really good way to put it because the entire draft is built around smoke and mirrors. No team wants you to know what they're going to do, who they're interested in, who they've got their eye on. It's why some teams won't even meet with the players that they want to take. Like the Houston Texans, you were surprised when they took you. So it's smoke and mirror season. And now that that's kind of over, it's not as though they can just all of a sudden start telling the truth again. Now we've got the mind games. Oh, well, you know, this guy's competing with this guy. Right. They've already made up their minds in the position battles, but it's all those kinds of things. Oh, we we could uh, have a different quarterback. We could trade Trey Lance. We could do all these different things, and then come week one, it's usually not too different. Right? Yeah. They. I mean, I don't think they know how to say exactly <laughs> what they. I don't think they know. I think they they've learned how to talk, and that's true though. Like you talk to the media every day. I used to talk to the media a lot. You learn. You know, you basically talk through the media, you know what I'm saying? Just say stuff that, you know, some stuff you say, you know, you're going to get a lot of flack from, and you just say it anyway, because you're like, all right, this right here is going to stir them up. Um, but yeah, you can't believe half the stuff that these guys are saying right now. Like, you know, nobody's wanting to ruffle any feathers or bulletin board material. Nobody's going to do any of that stuff. Every now and then you might get somebody to say something, but for the most part, everybody's just, you know, and then these, like I said, the coaches and the executives, everybody's in a battle because they don't want anybody to know. I mean, heck, the only person that's probably truly safe is Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, and Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> everybody else is in some type of competition. When you just come off the contract and and that's the only time teams will tell the truth is with the money that they spend, right? They'll lie to us about what they say about the money, but we can all see pretty clearly the money tells the story. No question. And it's so interesting too, with this time of year, coaches just trying to hide things, trying to not be fully transparent just because it's the competitive advantage, but it's also 
a time of figuring out depth charts because yeah, they're like you just drafted. If you're the Detroit Lions, you just drafted what seven new young man. You have to figure out where they fit in your team. And I heard recently that the reason that they have rookie mini camp so quickly immediately following the draft is because these coaches, they want to get you in the building. They want to get work with you immediately so they can know what to expect when it actually starts heating up in July, when we get to training camp and that you already have that relationship kind of formed instead of just going straight to vacation. Well, see, you know, when I got drafted, you know, I got drafted by the Houston Texans and Gary Kubiak was the head coach. And we didn't have a rookie main account. Oh. And it was actually pretty awesome. And his reason was you got a bunch of guys that you're flying in. Because, you, like you said, you only drafted seven, right? Say you signed another 16 or 12 and undrafted. So you got – 19 to 20 guys. Like, what kind of practice can you really have with 19 to 20 guys, right? And you're getting all these guys that's coming in from college. They just got drafted. They're excited. They just, they don't know how to practice. They don't know how to play. They don't know they don't know the NFL game. They don't know anything. They, they, their life is in the world is spinning like crazy right now. They're getting hit from all types of angles and this, this, and that. Kubiak was like, I'm not going to bring you guys in, fly these guys in for – a weekend of practice and we're not going to keep half of them. Right. Not going to keep really any of them. We, we got the drafted guys and then we got the undrafted guys. Right. He's like, so what we did was we came in and we just started in OTAs like everybody else. So we started going through the install, like, like all the veterans. Cause he was like, you know, you guys need to learn how to practice from the vets. And so we went through the whole OTAs. And then once we got to the end, when it was time for veteran mini camp, that was kind of when we had our rookie mini camp. Mm. But you were able to include the first year players from last year, the second year, younger players that you felt like just needed more reps. But Andre Johnson wasn't out there going through mini camp. You know what I'm saying? Like your starters, your veteran proven guys. They didn't have to go through mini camp, so we would just watch film, work out, you know, and then we would get get to go home, you know. So my first year in Houston, I had to go through the mini camp. I was I was a rookie, but my second, third, and fourth year, I didn't even have to go through the the mini camp in the summer because I was a starter. But that was a good way for like him, like he said, my rookies get a chance to come in, get comfortable around the building, be around the vet, see how we practice, learn how we practice, go through the install, kind of get used to being in the facility and all those different things. And instead of having to fly in so many people just to get through a practice, now I can take my second-year guys, my, my backups, my guys that need more reps. They can go through the mini camp with the rookies, and we can have a good three-day session and I can give my veteran guys a break. Like I said, Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford, they don't need to be throwing any more go routes in minicamp just because it's minicamp, <laughs> right? They've they've got that part figured out pretty good, right? So we didn't have a rookie minicamp. So and I and I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's actually brilliant the way you put it all together. It avoids the development of bad habits. And I know a lot of coaches out there think, well, I'm the one coaching. I'm not going to teach them any bad habits, but no, you add that extra layer, those veteran players to make sure that 
there's an extra set of eyes that everything is up to par in terms of being an NFL professional. That is a great idea. And it's not as though these rookies are going to be out of shape. They just had to do that whole training for the combine. It would be very shocking if by April they have stopped working out completely and they are all of a sudden in the worst shape of their life. This is the time of year where it's everyone is best shape ever, going to have the best season ever. Right, so, and, and and it's actually kind of scary because you don't know, right? So when I got drafted in April the 26th, right, I didn't have to report to the Texans until May the 17th or something like that. So it was about three weeks, right? During that period of time, like I said, it's a lot going on. You know, so you got a lot of things going through your head, but you don't know what to expect. So I was the type of person, if I don't know what to expect, I'm probably going to over prepare. So I'm being I'm I'm working out and running more now than I probably was leading up to the draft, because now I don't got drafted by a team. I have to show up ready to go, but I don't even know what ready to go is because I've never done this before. So if you got guys that got drafted and they don't have to show up for another three weeks and they just sit down and become couch potatoes, for three, that's not a good sign for that player. That's showing the coach early on, okay, he's not somebody that's going to be overly prepared. He's going to do the bare minimum, right? And I guess, like I said, I guess I was always that type of player I didn't feel like I need to have the coach to hold my hand to get me ready to go. Like, I don't, you don't have to keep me in the building to make sure I'm preparing. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, me having my kids, I'm like, hey, man, I want to be at home with my kids during the offseason. I don't want to have to be up here just so you know that I'm working out. Like, I can get my workouts in and get myself prepared and be home with my kids. But everybody's not like that. So then you have the you have to do these things, and it's just like guys, we don't have to even be up here right now. You guys just show up in shape. But it's all about that trust, isn't it? Trust that, is such an important thing. Huge thing. Important, and unfortunately, you can't trust all of your players. But hopefully, we can cut trust this new batch of players that just came to the Detroit Lions. I know at least one, Jack Campbell. Do you think? the last name had something to do with him being drafted in the first round, or I think more likely it is the quote that he gave, I believe it was at the combine about being a green dot Mike linebacker. He loves being the Mike linebacker. He wants to be the one that when he messes up, when the play goes bad, he is the one to take credit for it. He wants that chewing tobacco spit in his face from the coach because he's screaming at him. And that to me felt like a Dan Campbell draft pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that looked like Dan Campbell stood up on the table and excuse my language, but dropped his, you know what, and said, this is who we're taking. Point blank, period. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Perfect Dan Campbell draft pick. I mean, yeah, the name goes along with it, but if you look at his body type, you look at his style, you look at his size, he looks just like Dan Campbell. He's a big big middle linebacker but you need that you need somebody big in the middle right they i think you know the linebackers that they had last year they're good side to side running you know blitzing alex anzalone get going and you know those guys uh kind of run you down side to side but when you had the team that you think back late in the season when they played against the carolina panthers the team that just ran right at them straight downhill they didn't have enough beef in the middle to stop that 
So Jack is pretty big, looks like. He should be big in the middle to to provide some beef for them. And um yeah, I, 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 I mean that was all that was all Dan Campbell. When I saw the pick, I said, like, Oh yeah, that's Dan for sure. And does that happen often? I, I know as a player, you're less exposed to this, but do the coaches and general managers kind of square off sometimes? And it's no, I need my guy right now. You can get your guy later, but this is my guy. He's coming off the board right now, right this second. I don't know. I've never been in those rooms. You know, I would assume that stuff happens. You you know, you will hope that, you know, the GM and the coaches can be on the same page and really agree. But I'm sure when you got that many men and that many prospects, they don't all agree on the same guys. I'm sure that that's, that happens. And I don't know how much the GM throws his weight around. Like, nah, this is who we're getting. Or, and I don't know how much the coach throws his weight around. Like, nah, this is who we're taking. I don't know. I've never, I've never been in those, in those meetings, uh, but that is an interesting question. It is. And it brings me back to when Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes first got brought into Detroit. Campbell was asked, like, you're a strong personality. How do you work together with Brad Holmes to make sure everything goes smooth and you're working together to get the right players? And his quote was, a true alpha knows when it's time to concede. Because the Lions, their front office views everyone as an alpha personality. Everyone is going to speak their mind. Everyone is passionate. But to actually be an alpha in that sense, you have to be willing to listen to others to take their opinions. And if Dan can't, so this is why I think it was yes, a Dan Campbell pick, but there were other people who signed off on it because he says, if I'm the only one jumping up and down on the table, maybe I need to rethink my process a little bit because there are a lot of other smart individuals that I am surrounded with and I can't be right all the time. Yeah, that's true. And, and, you know, for him to have that, that type of relationship, that type of bond, and that type of you know acknowledgement of their skills and 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 their their skill sets, um, that's good. You know, I mean, I, like I said, I think you're gonna have times where people don't people don't see it the way you see it, and sometimes you just gotta ride with them. Like, hey, you know what? That probably wasn't who I would have went with at that point, but. That's who we went with. That's who we got. So, sure, we got to ride it out. We got to make it work because I'm not in a position to be able to say, oh, man, we would have, you know, we should have just drafted this guy. Like, you know, I think they only talk about that stuff, you know, four or five years after the draft has happened and some kids turn into good players and some kids kind of fizzle out. You say, oh, man, we should have took Aaron Donald instead of Eric Ebron. Right. Oh, man. You know what I'm saying? You have all those. We passed on Tom Brady five times. Right. <laughs> if we take Tom Brady with any of our five picks, we win. We're Super Bowl champs. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you they go through this process, man. A bunch of smart people and they try to build the best team. They try to get the best guy that fits what they're trying to do. So, you know, you draft guys and some of it work. Sometimes it work out. Sometimes it don't. You just got to just got to ride with it. Got to ride with it. Got to roll with the punches. And it seems though the Lions are rolling pretty heavily with Alabama. This is the third play or well, two players this draft. So three players in the past two drafts drafted in the first two rounds out of Alabama. We get Jameer Gibbs, the electric running back. They send off DeAndre Swift to the Philadelphia Eagles. 
And then they run it back in round two, draft Brian Branch, one of the top safeties in the draft from Alabama as well. Any thoughts on the Alabama duo or any of these other players that the Lions have selected? You know what? I mean, Alabama has a great pedigree of, of football players. I mean, that's not, you know, sugar-coated. They, they get uh, access to the top players in the country, and, you know, they they do a great job of developing and and coaching. They play in a bunch of big games a bunch against a bunch of top talent. So, you know, it can't hurt you to bring in some of those players. You know, they've come up through kind of like an NFL system. They understand. They know They know how to play the game for the most part. They are talented, you know, because they're at Alabama, right? And so to, 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 to get some of those players and bring them into your system and to your team, you know, you're just trying to change the mentality, right? Because winning is a mentality, even though – you're not in the NFL, you've been in college, but you've been a winner. You know what it's like to win national championships. You know what it's like to play in big-time games, win SEC championships. So you know what that looks like. You know what that work feels like. And so you can bring that same mentality up here. Like, hey, man, like, I'm trying to win. Like, this is what it takes to win. We need to be winning. So you always want to keep trying to bring in winners and, and leaders and guys that can that can help get your program over the hump. Well said. Absolutely well said. And Alabama has been that franchise. We're seeing it with the Philadelphia Eagles, too, loading up on Georgia players. They drafted two in the first round. They ended up taking Kelly Ringo in the fourth round, too. And they traded for DeAndre Swift, another former Georgia player. What did you think about that trade? I was surprised, but then I sat on it for a bit, and it felt very similar to the Jeff Akuta trade. Yeah. I was surprised, too. I was actually excited to see what they would do with Jameer Gibbs DeAndre, and DeAndre Swift because I felt right? like they could, they, could, they could do a lot, that they, they would have some flexibility, especially the fact that it's a running back, right? So running backs, you know, that's an easily injured position. It don't take but one tackle, and Jameer Gibbs is out for three weeks or, you know, DeAndre Swift, you know, struggled with an ankle last year, and then he had a shoulder so if you feel like I need that type of player in my system, having two of them doesn't hurt because once you realize, okay, well, now they can stay healthy, you have different roles. I felt like, you know, Jameer Gibbs can line up in the slot and, and, and be a receiver, create all types of mismatches for you. You know what I'm saying? DeAndre Swift can do the same thing. So you start mixing him, Amon Ross St. Brown, you got a real good combo on the inside. Then you still got Marvin and Jamison on the outside. Like you, you could have had a bunch of weapons, but I don't know. Maybe, like you said, it was the the Jeff Okuda thing, the money, what's going on, yada yada yada. We got a guy that we feel like is better, so we can use him as some trade compensation to get some stuff. So, I mean, you 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 try not to trust. I mean, not you try not to like you know second guess what they're doing and, and trust that they know what they're doing. Um, you know, you got to praise the good moves and, and understand moves that, that maybe you don't understand. You just got to accept it and, and hope that, you know, they did what was best for the team. And, and I guess in that situation, that's what they thought what was best. So you just ride with it. And it's been a fair number of Matt Patricia slash Bob Quinn draftees that have been out the door recently. They traded TJ Hawkinson last year, 
traded Akuda a couple weeks ago, traded DeAndre Swift. And it, right or wrong, it just feels like a new beginning. It feels as though that this organization is putting their stamp on what the Lions are going to be. And it's it's a change, but they've given us no reason to not trust them. So we just got to continue to believe in the team, believe in Brad Holmes, believe in Dad, Dan Campbell, and roll with it. That's it. And I like it, you know. I like it. You got it. You you have to change it. And to change it, you got to get new people in. You got to get old people out. It just is what it is. And there have been a lot of new people added in the secondary. They added Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama. Any thoughts on him and the rest of the additions? Because now we have, what, four different players that can start at safety? Tracy, when he's healthy. I don't know if he'll be back for week one. I have no insight on that, but... He's got looks like he's going to be playing this year and he's a starter. Kirby Joseph, he's a starter. CJ Gardner Johnson, they just signed, he's a starter, and Brian Branch is a starter caliber player. You now have potentially four starting safeties. Some of them can play in the slot as a nickelback too. What does all of this allow you to do as a defense? I mean, it just gives you more flexibility, you know what I'm saying? It gives you more flexibility, but it also, you mean, you know, it's going to create, I don't want to say problems, but it's just going to be a situation where, like you said, you got four guys that are are starters, you know? So who's going to be the one that's starting? Who's going to be the one that's, you know, rotating in, coming in as a, you know, a, a nickel, a dime? Um, maybe they like some of those guys better than they like, you know, some of their corners in the slot, you know, being that maybe they can tackle or they can cover a, I don't know. I don't know exactly how they're going to use all those guys, um, but it's never a bad thing to to have them. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying it's not a bad thing to have multiple good players at a position. Not a bad thing at all. <laughs> not a bad thing at all. Good, good. Because I, I think that they're going to have a lot of fun with this. You can put CJ in the slot here. You can put Brian Branch in the slot. You can have... Kirby Joseph playing deep and walk Tracy Walker up into the box. There are just so many fun things that they're going to be able to do with not only coverage players too, because yeah, CJ Gardner Johnson, he tied for the league in interceptions last year. Kirby Joseph, he's a ball ball hawk. They've shown that they can lay the wood as well. Oh yeah. Most guys, I mean, most guys in the NFL can tackle. They, they, you, you have to be able to do that. You know, you may not like to do it, but you can do it. They, they, they'll lay the wood. They'll, 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 they'll drop the boomstick on you if, if need be. Um, but you know, I've always felt like I want the ball. I need guys that can turn the ball over, get me the ball. Yeah, you got to be able to make tackles. We understand that, but when the ball is up there, I need you guys getting it. Have to be able to do both. You have to be able to do both. You got to. It's the new NFL, right? You, uh, as great, as talented as the defensive backs in the NFL are today, the rules are against them. Offenses are so wide open. You will never completely stop every offense that you're going to face, which is why you have to stop them in other ways. You have to get your hands on the ball. You have to get turnovers and allow your offense a chance to keep up with them. No question. I mean, if you can take the ball away from the, from the other team's offense, you're going to give yourself a better chance to win because it's harder for them to score. They can score defensively, but it's harder for them to score 
if they don't have the ball. You have a better chance of scoring when you have the ball. So being able to take the ball away is a critical, critical, critical skill. And so, you know, if you can do that via interceptions, forced fumbles, something, you're going to help yourself out and you're going to help your team out. And so we've talked recently, we've been doing some chalk talks. We did some breakdown of what the nickel defense is in the modern NFL. We broke down some one high safety. Haven't talked as much about two high safeties. And I know you have said that this is a stop the pass. You go in one safety, one high safety, you bring someone in the box to stop the run. But based on the Lions moves, the fact that they have four versatile safeties and then just added a monster at Mike linebacker, do you think the idea is to be able to play more two high shells without sacrificing the run? Nah. No? Nah. You know, I, I, I think, you know, given that Aaron Rodgers is no longer in the division, I think they're going to stack the box now. I, I don't think they Ooh. have a team. I don't think they have a team in the division that they feel threatened in the past by other than maybe, you know, Minnesota, you got Justin Jefferson, but they got rid of Adam Thielen. So you really only have Justin Jefferson now, you know, I mean, I think they may have another guy or two there, but for the most part, they're not, they don't have, they don't have to play for the pass against Chicago. They won't have to play for the pass against green Bay. True. So being able to walk that safety up in the box and make sure that they stop that run game and in, in, in what they call the black and blue division. Like, I think that's what you're going to see more of. Um, you know, if Aaron Rodgers was still there and, you know, you had different, different makeups with teams, you probably would see more too high. But I think you're going to see some one high stuff. But I think you're going to see a lot of like multiple type things, you know, three safety looks. Um, you know, some two safety looks, nickel looks. Um, you know, they may go a dime package and get all four safeties in there. It just all depends on who's playing well, um, who's healthy and 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 who who are we playing that that week. You know, do we need all these guys or do we not? And who knows, you know, who knows what's gonna happen. I don't think – I mean, I think CJ's going to be there. I think you just drafted the young kid. You know, Tracy signed a deal. Kirby's a, a young player that's playing well for him. I think all those guys will be there. Um, just to what capacity and what role they'll be playing, we'll have to wait and see. And that's not a bad thing to wait and see. I know we're all impatient. I know we all want to know what – Aaron Glenn's going to do, but if we have to wait, so do NFL defenses. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's harder to game plan against something you've never seen before. Am I correct in that assessment? True. It's harder to game plan for it. So you just have to understand players. You have to understand what they like, what they don't like. And so when you get in those situations, you say, hey, they they bringing this guy in a lot. Well, we know they like to blitz him. So, hey, let's be alert for a lot of blitzes when he's in the game because we know, hey, this guy right here is a He's a run through guy in the in the in, in the in the run game. So hey, be alert for that. Hey, this guy right here is a ball hawk. Hey, when he's around, 
when they putting him on the field, they playing a lot of this or that because they like to give him opportunity. So that's kind of how you got to prepare for those situations, right? We, you never know. When you go into a game defensively, especially at the start of the season, you haven't had many scouting reports, right, outside of what's, what they've shown you in the preseason, which is very vanilla and this and this and that. So you kind of just go off players. Hey, hey, this right here is their speed guy. If he's in the game, we got to be alert for them trying to take the, the 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 top off the defense. Hey, this right here is their trick guy. When he's in the game, it's a bunch of reverses, speed sweeps, and this and that. And so you just kind of base it off of who's in the game, where they line, and how they try to use that player until you start to get some concrete stuff as to what they're trying to do with those players. And so do you match up personnel? So say you have the gadget guy. So say this slot right here is the gadget guy. Your usual slot corner is, I don't know who, but you have your usual slot corner. Will you have a player that matches up well with the gadget guy, or are you just going to stick with your base defense? He's our nickel, so he follows the slot, the gadget guy, whether he's in the slot or off the field. Well, yeah, you're going to, you're going to, keep your stuff the same and the defense just has to be on alert because the gadget is exactly what it is a gadget guy right it's not like you said hey this is their usain boat so we need to put in our usain boat this is a gadget guy so that means most of the stuff that he's doing is behind the line of scrimmage reverses behind the line of scrimmage speed sweeps behind the line of scrimmage screens like different things like that where i mean why do I need to put in a specific player to chase from one side of the field? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you, know, you don't match up gadget guys, but you know, you may match up tight ends, right? You may have one tight end that's a blocking tight end and one tight end that's a receiving tight end. So you may have one safety that's better in run support, and you may have another safety that's a better cover guy. So if they put in a blocking tight end, you might put the 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 the, the box safety in. If they put the receiving tight end, you may put your cover safety in. So you may have situations like that with the tight end position. Um, and even in the slot, you know, they may have some teams that have, you know, back when, you know, you had different type of guys, you may have a bigger slot receiver that's a, you know, more physical type of guy. And you may have a, a corner that you want to match up with him or a safety that you feel like will match up with him, right? And, you know, towards the end of like Larry Fitzgerald's career, when he's just a bigger wide receiver smaller tight end you know he's gonna body and be bigger than a lot of those little small corners but maybe i can got a safety that's big enough that can cover enough and understand what larry's doing at this stage of his career he's not larry fitzgerald of two years he's larry fitzgerald of 15 years so it's not the same and so we got to play him accordingly not the same, but still extremely dangerous. You just have to know which ways he's dangerous in with right. all of those crack. But did you ever get crack blocked by Larry Fitzgerald? Or were you able to avoid that? Because some of those oh, man, Larry, leaders. Me and Larry went at it a lot with the blocking and stuff. I don't think I ever got cracked because he's always coming out and getting that defensive end. Yeah. Um, But I've gotten blocked and we've went at it a lot of times. that's got to be intense larry fitzgerald off the field he seems so nice but on the field it is just scary yeah man he he was good he's a blocker he's big he's big he's big not all those wide receivers like to block and which is again changes the offense if you have a strong blocker in the slot 
you can run that direction knowing that it's not going to be blown up. Whereas some other teams, if you have a small wide receiver that can't block in the slot, it's tough to run that way, I imagine, because he's just right. going to get blown up. Right. And that's, and that's what's going to happen. And so offenses know that, defenses know that. And, hey, man, they put this guy in, he's not a blocker, so expect a pass right here or some kind of gadget. They put this guy in, he's not a receiver, so expect a run, right? They got this big guy over here in the slot, and they got this guy outside. Let's be alert for screens right here. They trying to get a blocker out there to block for this screen route. So just a lot of little tails that you can get. That's just from knowing the players and knowing their skill set and what they do well and what they don't do well. You can take a lot of stuff away just from understanding who you're playing against. And so if we want to take away this offense, we, we, we base it a lot around three wide. And oftentimes you have said with three wide is when we do go to the two deep safety, especially because they have the option. They can flex the tight end. They can flex the halfback. So things move around. What are some things we should understand about the cover four cover two defense? Woo. <laughs> okay. So cover four is probably my favorite cover. So that's a whole, that's a whole show in itself. I love Okay, That's a whole show in itself. Plenty of time for need lots of time for cover four. Perfect. So this right here, we got half up there. So when you're playing halves, right, you got those two safeties up there. So in cover three, the field is broken up into thirds. You got the outside third, you got the middle third, and you got the other outside third. When you're playing cover two, you only got two guys deep. So now those safeties are responsible for half of the field. Not the third, they're responsible for the half, right? And so when you look at some of these defenses, especially when you start looking at the Tampa two, you say, well, how can those guys get down the sideline and the middle of the field? Well, that Mike linebacker right there is responsible for running the middle of the field. You've seen Brian Erlacher back in the days, tons of interceptions running in the middle of the field, right? That's what the Mike linebacker does. He's going to open up to the strength, which is going to be the slot receiver. And so if you think back to when we was doing cover one, I said cover one is a middle field closed. The middle of the field is closed because you got a middle field safety in the middle. So when they run those seam routes, they're going to stay outside of the hashes in between the numbers and the hash, right? So that they can stay inside of that outside corner, but they can get some space from that safety so that they can hit the seam routes. When you go too high, the middle of the field is what you consider open, right? So that safety, both of those safeties are going to work towards the sideline as they are going right so now the outside if they stay on the hashes they're running right to the safety so now that elf that slot he's gonna go up he's gonna go around that nickel and then he's gonna bend it to the inside deeper down the seam that's where he's going so that's where the quarterback is giving you that play fake to make that backer, one of those backers, step up, make the nickel, step up, and then they're going to hit the seam route right behind it because they know the safety is working towards the outside. The middle of the field is going to be open. So then you get those teams because that corner, their job in cover two is to jam those wide receivers, and then they should sink 
um, to provide some kind of depth. But you get some corners who don't get a good jam. They don't sink. So now that XY receiver, say he releases outside and runs a go route. Boom. He's running down the sideline. Now you got the elf in the middle. Now that free safety is in trouble, right? He has to have great depth, and he got to be able to read the quarterback. So when you play against those great quarterbacks, he might be looking right down the middle, and you're like, oh, snap, he finna throw the ball to Tyreek Hill running down the middle. Let me cheat. And then all of a sudden, he throws it all the way to the outside to the wide receiver streaking down the sideline, right? So those corners got to do a great job of getting a jam to slow that guy down. You want to funnel him inside so he's not running right down the sideline. You want to make that receiver go inside of you as opposed to letting him go outside of you, right? You make him go inside. Now it's not as much space because now he got to try to work back outside. But if you let him release down that sideline, you're going to put your corner, your quarterback. I mean, that safety is going to be in a world of trouble because he has two verticals running down on him, right? And so that's the biggest thing when you're talking cover two. You're really trying to stop the pass. So those underneath guys got to get depth. That Mike linebacker has to be able to run and take away that, that right there in the middle. That Will linebacker has to be able to get some depth and make that tight end, you know, not have free access right down the middle of the field. Those corners got to do a great job of getting a good jam on those wide receivers, and your safety's got to play with depth. Depth gives you range, right? The farther you are back, you don't want to be so far that you can't make a play, but you don't want to be too close up to where you can't make a play either, right? When you're up too close, now your angles are cut off. You can't get there, right? If you got a little more depth, you can break downhill at some on some of those balls as opposed to trying to break, you know, behind you. So safety's got to have good depth. Linebackers got to get good depth, but this is where you struggle in the run game because if you count the guys, they got a left tackle, a left guard. That's two. They got the center with the X on it in the middle in the box. That's three. Then they got a right tackle and the right, I mean, the right guard and the right tackle. So they got five guys you throw in the tight end. They got six guys available to block, right? Well, you look at the nickel, he's lined up against the slot. So you can't really include him. Because if you're playing something, that 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 slot could draw that nickel out of there. If they're playing quarters, that nickel is responsible for taking that slot to the flat, right? So if you just take this, that elf and move him out to the flats, that nickel has to go with him if they're in quarters or something like that, right? So when you look at that box, you got five guys in the box, right? You got five guys, well, six guys right there, right? Four D linemen, two linebackers, and they got six blockers. But they also got the guy with the ball. So now they got six on six with an extra runner as opposed to seven on six. So when we got seven on six, we always got a free hitter. So if we move that safety down in the box, now we got seven on six, right? We got seven, they got six. So it should be a free guy to make the tackle on the running back. If that safety is not down there, now it's six on six. So one of those guys have to win. One of those ends, one of those tackles, they got to get off a block. 
They got to create a double team, some kind of way so that somebody can get free and make the tackle. Otherwise, the running backs won't get touched to their 10 yards downfield. So when you have those teams that are good enough to play, like when I first got to Detroit, our D-line, we had Nick Fairley, we had Ndamukong Sue, we had a young Ziggy Ansah, we had C.J. Mosley, we had Jason Jones, we had DeAndre Levy in the middle, we had Steven Tulloch in the middle. So we were able to stop the run and play cover two because we had a good D-line, we had good linebackers. When you don't have a good D-line, you don't have good linebackers, and you can't stop the run, you can't play cover two. So now you put more pressure on your secondary to have to play man-to-man. And that's where you get hurt when you're playing against quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and, and all those great guys because you need that, those corners. They need that, that protection of those safeties up top because it's hard to cover those guys, especially with a good quarterback. Especially with the speed in the NFL, that's when you have a receiver that can get open at will. It is only so long you can stick with them in coverage. And if you don't have the D-line getting pressure and you have one safety deep, you're in for a world of hurt all day long. No question. Interesting, interesting. Any final thoughts on cover two? I know cover four is a whole different beast that we will tackle another episode. Cover two is pretty easy, right? I mean, cover two is easy. You know, I mean, it's hard to execute because, you know, the offenses are good. But from a schematic standpoint, safeties you got to have, corners, you're you 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 you're jamming those wide receivers trying to force them inside. And you got to sink because the corner, I mean, they're going to try to high-low the corners, right? They're going to try to high-low. They're going to put a guy there, and they're going to run that. So put that Z right there and put that, put that Y at, like, 15 yards. Put the Z at five and the Y like 15. Put put it on the sideline though. So if you go, so go to click on the Z and go to the patterns. Oh, yeah. And just give him a like a hitch route. Okay. Let me find the action. Routes. Oh, routes, yeah. Routes. There we go. Boom. And just give him like um should be a hitch right there. Five, five yard, yard hitch. hitch. Yep. Perfect. Boom. There we go. Okay. Let's yep. remove remove that. There we go. Yep. And I put the put the Y back in his spot and give him a corner route. It's a corner. 10, 12 yard corner. Yep. So that right there is a big concept in cover two, right? So if that corner sits on that that Z wide receiver. They're going to throw it to that tight end, right? It's a high-low. So the corner's job is to jam number one, right? Don't let that Z-wide receiver get up the field, get down the sideline, and then he has to sink and get underneath that corner route, sink towards the sideline. You got to sink towards the sideline because that's where he's throwing the ball. If you run in to where he's at right now, the quarterbacks are good. He's going to throw the ball behind you right on the sideline to where that wide receiver is running to. So you have to sink wide because it's easier to come back in than to go back out. So when you jam, you want to jam and sink towards the sideline with depth 
as opposed to running inside. So that's one of the main concepts in cover two that you're going to see. They're going to they're gonna try to hollow the corner. They're going to try to hollow the corner, or they're going to do stuff like take that Z and send him on a go route. Boom, put him on a go route. Boom. Streaking down the field. Yep, and then take the H, the halfback, and put him on a, a angle route. Probably angle route, not an angle. Um, put him on a flat route or the flat at. Go down to the F. Flat route, yep. The other side. Should be able to get him. We can't get him to the other side. Oh, we should be able to. There we go. Yeah, just take that. There yeah. we go. So when you get that right there, now we got three levels, right? So that corner, if that corner get a jam, right? And he realized he's trying to go vertical, he sinks for the, the vertical route, and you got the tight end running the corner route, and then you got the halfback going to the flats, mm-hmm. right? So that's called a tier concept. You got a, a low guy, you got a middle guy, and then you got the high guy, right? See how that works? I do. And so what you guy. have to bring bring the will in to help so, with this. So the corner plays it high to low, right? So the corner gets his jam. He sinks. You want him to throw the ball to the flat route. That's a two-yard route. You drive up between you and the wheel, and you make the tackle. But if you jump, if you jump down on that corner on that flat route, and they hit the tight end right behind you, see that's why offense is going to do that when it's third and two, short yardage, just fourth and one. They're going to put that little half back in the flat because they know you can't give up one yard. So when they see that corner jump that right there, especially like at the goal line, they put that right there. That corner jumps it, then they're going to hit Travis Kelsey right behind you in the end zone, right? Seen that once it. or twice. Yeah, that's how they do it. Or they can do stuff where, you know, take the H and, and take his route off. And take the F and give him a give him a drag. Boom. Right? So now they're creating the same thing. He just coming from the other side of the field. You're going to have a high guy, a middle guy, and a low guy. His drag will probably be, you know, take that take that end arrow and bring it down to about five yards. Right. It'll be something like that right there. It's going to be the same exact thing. You're going to have a high guy, a middle guy, and a low guy. Right? It's all the same thing. It all depends on who they want to try to get the ball to and who those guys are. You know, if we got a speedster in the slot that can get across the field, then we're going to do that. If we got a slower guy in the slot that can't get across the field, then we can't run that play. Right? We can't run that play. So we got to use a halfback and a tight end. We got to use different guys to get it done. Or we got to send them in motion and do things like that. But it's all going to be the same concept. Same concept. And yep. so I'm really learning from you over these past couple sessions that it is all about the personnel. It is all about what you see either on the offense or on the defense because you broke it down for the quarterback. 
Doesn't matter if it's man, doesn't matter if it's zone. It matters if it's single high or too high. So he knows if the middle of the field is open or closed. As a defender, you are looking at who is playing what position to say, well, they can't run these types of routes. They can't run these plays because of who is here. So we have to adapt and be more wary of other attack points of attack. Right. I mean, and, and that's that's exactly how it is. You know, if you look at the personnel, you think back to a lot of these teams, right? You think back to a lot of these teams. I mean, let's look at let's look at the lines right now. Like who who are the lines tight ends? They have none of them are really considered receivers, right? They got rid of their receiving tight end. Right. So none of them are really considered receivers. So defenses are going to play that as such. Right. They go and sign a guy that's considered a receiving tight end. Now you have, okay, when this guy's in the game, we need to be alert for these pass concepts. He kills guys with corner routes and seam routes. So we expect him from this tight end for him to run corner routes and seam routes. This tight end is a blocker. We're not expecting him to even run the ball. I mean, to to release, right? We're not expecting him to release. He's a blocker. Like Mercedes Lewis right now is a blocker. He's a left tackle, right? Yeah. Travis Kelsey is a wide receiver. I put those guys on the same team. We're going to be able to say, hey, when Travis is in the game, this is what we're going to do. When Mercedes is in the game, this is what we're going to do. If both of them are in the game, hey, linebacker, you got to go to the Mercedes safety. You go to Travis, right? Because you understand what they're doing. Hey, the Detroit Lions, Jameer Gibbs is in the backfield. We got to play it a certain way, right? Uh, what's the guy we got from Chicago? Mike Davis? Uh, uh, the Oh, David Montgomery, the running back. David Montgomery, right? He's in the game. We got to play a different way. He's not Jameer Gibbs. The things that they ask in Montgomery to do, they're not going to ask De- Jameer Gibbs to do. So you got to know who's in the game. If Amon Ross St. Brown is in a slot, you got to play it a certain way. They put Jamison Williams in a slot, you got to play it differently. Those are different guys. Jamison Williams might take you up top for 80. Amon Ross St. Brown, he might give you 15 and get you the first down. Now he can take you 80. But when you're just looking at the game plan, hey, man, they won't ever put Jameson in a slot like this. Now he's in a slot. Ding, ding, ding. Something's up. Right? You got to be able to see all those different things. And they try to hide it so many different ways. And you got to be able to see through the window dressing and figure it out. And you, you can't get beat that way you can't get beat by players doing the things you know they're gonna do you you cannot allow yourself to be beat by Jamison williams running 80 yards deep from the slot just because he's in the slot today right that that's one thing that's one thing that drives people crazy and that's why bill belichick was so whatever in his time because he wasn't gonna allow you to beat him with your strength he wasn't gonna allow calvin johnson to beat him if you beat me, Calvin's not going to beat me, right? He's going to make you play left-handed. That's what's so difficult, you know, when it comes to a lot of these these guys. It's like, hey, this guy's great. I understand that. We're not going to let him beat us. 
we're going to do something. We're going to take him away, right? We know, hey, man, Jameson Williams is a vertical guy. If he catch 15 screens today, that's fine. He can't catch one deep ball, right? That's kind of how you look at that stuff. Hey, man, we know this guy is the speed sweep guy. He's the reverse guy. He's that like he can't beat us on that. If he run past us, hey, man, we wouldn't expect him to run past us. He got us. Reverse? Everybody get fired. Because we knew. We knew he was going to do that. And he, he did it. And that's why I tell people all the time, they don't understand how hard it is at the professional level in any sport to go out and continue to dominate when they're trying to stop you. Right? Well, like, you got the best players in the world and they are trying to stop you. Like, they're game planning to stop you. And you still are able to go out and put up numbers. That's impressive. It is. It's hard. It's hard, man. They're designing defenses and this and that to specifically stop you. Yep. And they can't do it. And they can't do it. It's hard. <laughs> that, that, is, that is something. I, I think that is the perfect place to end today on is these guys are special no matter how much work you put into stopping specific players sometimes they're just too special to stop yeah they are a lot of times and the same case on defense sometimes players are too special to stop that's why they end up leading the league in interceptions for the detroit lions <laughs> hey you throw it up there i'm going to get it that's all I'm saying. <laughs> So if you want to stop me, stop throwing it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Glover, thank you so much for your time today. It is always such a pleasure. I learn so much every time. Any final thoughts before we get you out of here? Nah, man, enjoy enjoy your time. Be safe. And uh, gear up, man. It's going to be a great football season. Continue to learn. Continue to increase your knowledge of the game. And... It'll make it'll make the games that much more enjoyable. We're in for a really fun season just based on the stuff I've learned so far. And we're going to keep learning throughout the offseason. I cannot wait for this cover four episode that we're going to do. Knowing that it's your favorite coverage. Ooh, it's got me excited. Glover, oh, yeah. thank you as always. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait for that one. I cannot wait. But until then, we will see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.